Hey everybody, welcome to episode 11 of Speculative Work. I'm your host, James S. Aaron, and today we're going to talk about refurbishing a short story for a new market. Um, but first, let's do some updates. So, this week has not been the greatest of weeks for me. Um, I only wrote 7,872 words, which is down from 11,000 the previous week, actually like 11,500. Um, I'm still at 64,769 for the year, which is good, much better than I've done before, but I ran into some uh, roadblocks, which uh, mostly are in the name of Far Cry 5, um, <laughs> but there's, there's a reason for that I'll get into a little bit more. And that mainly has to do with my work has just been incredibly um, frustrating this week. And there's nothing I like more when I've had a frustrating day at work than to grab a couple hours of, you know, running through the woods, um, doing some virtual hunting or, you know, blowing up in installations and whatnot. <laughs> um, I'm not as, you know, I'm not going to jump into a review of Far Cry 5. I would say that it's not as great as some of the other shooters that I love to play. I actually did like a brief little playthrough of Bioshock 2 and got midway through the game a couple weeks ago, and that was incredibly satisfying. It's funny, because the whole time I'm playing it, I'm like not liking things about the game and feeling like I'm wasting my time and like I should be writing, and then still feeling the need to sit down and zone out and play the game. <laughs> so it's also been eating some sleep. So I recognize that. And... Um, this week going forward, I think I'm going to be in a better place as far as not wanting to play the game because our gaming system is actually in my son's room and he's with me every other week. So he's home and the I don't have access to the computer like I normally would, which is probably a good thing to help me stay away from playing Far Cry 5, <laughs> which will get my word counts back up. Um, so overall, I'm at uh, 86,000 words for the novel. Um, the title is now Stars the Hard Way, and I'm much more excited about that title. It doesn't mean I need to rethink the rest of the series, but, um, you know, come what may, we'll figure it out. I also, other updates, I moved our elliptical trainer into my writing room. So one of the things that um, has been kind of frustrating me is I haven't been working out as much as I could have since uh, the baby has arrived. Obviously playing video games is not a productive use of time when I could also be working out, but it does help me decompress and relax. But I'd like to do try that some different ways of doing that. So it had been sitting in a place that was close to where the baby sleeps and I moved it into the office where I've been writing so I can jump on and do like 20 minutes on the elliptical and then come back and do some writing. And that's something that I'm going to add to my to-dos for this week. So we'll see how that turns out. Um, but I'm, I don't know, it was actually a big deal to move that stupid thing. So I'm pretty excited to have moved it and uh, plan to be using it. Uh, I wanted to throw out some shout-outs. I really appreciate Josh Hayes of Keystroke Medium for recognizing uh, the podcast on his Morning Hayes show. So he has started podcasting every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I think he's going to lunchtime now. You can, you can check in live, and it's a really fun format. I haven't been able to check out live yet. I've only been able to check out the recordings. But they're building a really neat little community with Keystroke Medium and a lot of folks that are kind of in the same place that are writing SF or just focused on making themselves better. And I think they've got a really great attitude um, about doing that and just really wanting to help, help folks. And Josh just recently made the leap into full time. And I think he's being really realistic about his income streams and um, we were both in similar lines of work. So it's the kind of thing that I think about 
as well um, with what I would need to do to potentially jump into full time at some point. It's not that close for me, but um, it's really inspiring to me to see other folks that are making the leap. So um, I think, you know, it's less of a leap when you plan, right? <laughs> you, it's not necessarily a leap, it's a transition. So that, that's a good thing. Uh, but you definitely check out his show and he's, uh, it's just inspiring. So I think if you, you know, want to get some writing done, it's a great way to check in and motivate yourself. And then also, I really appreciate all the uh, emails that I've received from folks that have been checking out the show. Um, it really is awesome. Like, obviously, I don't have a whole lot of listens, but the folks that are listening are enjoying it. And totally, if you've got feedback, let me know. Um, I'm still trying to make sure I'm getting all my levels correct and you know getting the show set up properly. So I've already made some adjustments there. Please let me know if you're having any difficulties listening, and I will uh, we'll figure it out, right? So today, I wanted to talk about refurbishing a short story for an anthology market and one of the things that's been kind of weird for me with writing an AN14 is that it's actually really difficult to get my head out of that hard SF mode and the really deep kind of intellectual property that we're working with AN14 which has like a, a really deep lore and a way of telling a story and an attitude about the stories that you know because I have kind of limited mental uh capacity to focus on these things with work. Uh, it's hard to step outside that. And that's kind of a whole other topic to talk about. You know, some writers can move really easily between ideas and worlds and characters. And for other people, it's difficult. For me, I think it, it's difficult, but it's also something where I just don't have a lot of time to really um, devote to it. So I need to focus, you know, the writing time I have on a sp on this specific work I've been doing. However, an anthology uh, popped up that I would like to contribute a story to, and it's a near future anthology, so near future being like the next 50 years. So that's something that also really excites me because I love hacking, I love AI, I'm really excited about the tech that we have going on right now, and also really interested in its distribution across the world, and it fascinates me that we live in a world where we essentially have people that could be living in an equivalent of 1200 and then we have people that are kind of living in 2050 right now you know and that's distributed all across the world in really interesting and uh, complex ways so i had a story that i had actually written as back in 2016 as part of what was potentially going to be a shared world thing that was kind of a hacker story um but I've always really liked this story and wanted to do something with it. And so I thought it might be a good fit for, for this project. The thing about the project was that uh, for the anthology, it's 6,000 to 8,000 words. And this short story was 14,000 words because it was actually a little bit short for the other project that I had submitted it to. It was also, I would say, back in 2016, I didn't have a good idea of genre alignment. And so... At the time, I was part of this uh, kind of literary critique group with a lot of folks that have gone that were MFAs. In fact, I was the only person that did not have, um, you know, a Master of Fine Arts and Creative Writing. And it was a great group. I learned a lot, but the stories have very different focuses than you do maybe in writing, you know, an action-focused um, near-future hacking story. <laughs> so, the one of the stories that had been submitted um, was actually about a a priest who falls in love with a woman in, or is infatuated with a woman, I guess I should say, in his parish and gets in like this rivalry with another guy that is also um, attracted to the woman. And so it was kind of this this arc of, you know, young man finding 
his confidence. And, and I really, I liked that story. I thought it was a really interesting idea. And I, I found myself thinking about it quite a bit as like how this might fit in this science, in a science fiction universe. And I, it's something I'd been thinking about a lot anyway, with how genre expectations and literary expectations fit together and, you know, blah, 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 how they're, how they're different, how they, how they fit. So long story short, I wrote a somewhat similar, a story with a similar plot, but I made the, the, the second love interest was actually a gangster who kidnaps the girl and the priest finds himself, um, infected with this ability to hack because it was that was part of it is like people can get infected with uh in that in that ip it was more of kind of a uh an event happened so it's almost like a superhero you know origin story and that wasn't going to work for this but but i liked the, the idea of it i also just getting to like all i have to do is kind of say the title that i had had which is um still the gyroscopes of hunting park and hunting park is a is a place in Chicago that's pretty run down or was anyway and there there are like three two things in that or three things actually in that title that at the time I thought were interesting to me but now looking at genre I realize just don't really work at least not for um, how I envision kind of the market I'm, I'm aiming this at so the first thing is using a word like still which would mean to stop in this case but it's you know an elevated kind of word uh, gyroscopes so gyroscope is going to signal steampunk to someone who doesn't really like gyroscope doesn't necessarily fit into hacker culture or uh or even kind of near future like it's going to be more accelerometer it's going to be you know hardware based um uh you know hardware based gyroscope like there are ways you would say that without saying gyroscope that makes you think of like a, a spinning you know weight um and so that didn't really work and then hunting park Obviously, it makes you kind of think of like fox hunting in England or something. So even from that, I realized that it really, like, this story had things I needed to fix. <laughs> um, so one, uh, you know, one question that comes up when you have, if you have an old story, like, and I've talked about this before, like, sometimes I think it's easier just to write a new story than to try and fix an old one. And maybe I'm kind of learning that lesson and we'll see, like after I describe everything I've gone through, like I'll kind of report back next week because the story is due on Saturday if I do make it into this uh, to be able to submit in time. And I'm, I'm almost wondering if I should have just rewritten it, but I think the exercise has been useful and I'll talk about that in a second. Um, but I would also say that I kind of, as I explain what I've been doing, I am kind of rewriting the story. <laughs> I'm doing the sort of deep edit that I guess you certainly could do based on trying to elevate or focus on different parts of the story. I've gone through, I've been to several writing classes where, you know, the instructors talk about working on a novel or a, or a short story and rewriting it many times, focusing on different elements each time until you get to that thing that you, you know, that level where everything is sort of emphasized in the way that you want, you know, from theme to character to plot, um, stuff like that. And sometimes with the writing schedule that I have, I don't have time to do that. So I have to think about those things. Not that when I'm writing genre science fiction, I'm thinking a huge amount about theme. I do think about themes a bit and like things that are interesting to me and I want to work into the stories, but it's not like I'm going back and rewriting for symbolism or something like I'm, I'm not going to do that. It's not, it's not important to the readers. I'll include something that I think is interesting to me um, and then see if people pick up on it, which does happen every now and then. But uh, long story short, this was 
you know, I have a story. I wanted to I wanted to submit it to this anthology, and here's what I did to kind of address issues with it. So the first first problem, um, the story's too long. So fourteen thousand words. I need to get it down to eight thousand words. This is a great opportunity to really dig into what the story is, right? So I basically went through, and I was going to print it, and I decided not to do that. I didn't even read it first. I just like you know I. Sometimes if you're going to do editing, you should like let the story sit and then go read the story and see how you feel about it. Um, I basically started reading the story cold and I remembered what happened in the story. I just didn't remember the particulars. And I just started deleting everything that I, I could, if I was going to highlight it and call it exposition, I deleted it. Uh, so descriptions, emotions, um, you know, things, setting, place, all that stuff. I just deleted it and basically got right down into action, dialogue, um, and descriptions that were very much grounded in like the place, you know, the church, the sanctuary, the street, <laughs> not, not the, you know, the leaning brick buildings on either side of the street, like that kind of thing, like boom, cut it. Then once I did that, like that actually like took out a lot of words. So I got, that got me down to like 2000. So here I'm at 12,000. So, okay. Then I went back and started cutting unnecessary dialogue that really streamlined a lot of scenes, like cutting dialogue, cutting uh, sort of what I think of as blocking, which would be where the characters are in space as they are, you know, talking and interacting with each other and doing whatever it is they're doing. Really narrowing down, narrowing that stuff down to get it to be really lean and just just enough to give you an impression of what's happening. Cut unnecessary characters. Um, I had included some characters that were there to kind of interact with the main character and give some, you know, added depth to like because he's a pastor and, or a priest in a, in a Catholic church, like he's got parishioners and, and that kind of stuff. So some of those things were interesting because I was using them to do some world building, but I, I cut them and I'll, I'll go back and re add other things to kind of be aligned with the new story. Then dug into character descriptions. Um, again, like who are the characters? How are they? Are they genre aligned? How do they fit within what's going to happen in the plot? And I have a good idea of how I want to do that. And just really, really just cut it down. You know, man, woman, brown hair, tall, short, you know, that, that kind of thing. And then digging into plot points. So do I have scenes in the story that are not working towards the overall um, what's going to, you know, the overall effect of the story. And one thing about an 8,000 word story, like that's just not giving you a whole lot of space, right? You've got time to introduce a character, introduce their problem, um, demonstrate the problem, and then do like maybe two two try-fail cycles and out into, you know, a new world for the character. So really dug into that stuff and, and cut it down. And that got me down to 10,000. <laughs> so... I actually had to go back and cut out even more, cut out more, um, some scenes that uh, are actually a scene that I didn't need necessarily and got it down to eight that like, I'm right at like 7,600, somewhere in there. So I'm still not, I can't add a lot back. Right. So I've got to, I'm even getting ready to do another, another read through probably not tonight, but tomorrow, um, to, to just see what else I can cut. So it's just very much into the story and the character. Um, then problem two that I had is the character didn't fit the genre. So again, I'm focused. I really, I want to write a relatively 
I want this story to be a relatively action-focused, um, you know, near-future hacking story. So I shifted the getting away from that superhero um, origin story thing. Basically, I set up a a, a, a nanotech um, bioengineering problem uh, that's a slight, you know, has an infection rate. Um, there's a military application. It's being tested on folks that live in a poor part of town, going to clinics, like all these things are sort of near future dystopian stuff, but I wanted the the pastor to be kind of a source of light in this terrible situation, right? But then he's gonna become infected with this, uh, this, this nano thing. So I had to think through some stuff like that. Like, okay, if he's getting infected, why isn't everybody getting infected in the church? Um, if like, how does this backstory work? Why would people go do that? Why would the person come to the church to seek help from him? Um, all this stuff. Like, how does he accept this change? Like, going going through that. Like, what does it mean to him to accept that change? And I had him as a person who he's actually was formerly a chaplain in the army. Um, he was a soldier, transitioning to being a chaplain. So he's no, um, you know, stranger to violence and this is kind of a world where we've continued with the war on terror, you know, and basically as Doctrine kind of speaks about now, some of those conflicts have moved to Africa, so he had service in Africa, transitioned to being a chaplain, and then ended up back in the inner city, you know, trying to trying to help people, but he has kind of gone through a loss of faith himself, and that's what he's struggling with right now. So in the original story, he was just kind of a milk toast person who's actually afraid of his congregation, and <laughs> I wanted to take that stuff out because that's not um that's not going to be as satisfying a story like he is a competent person who has had a very difficult life and now he's you know medicating in some ways that are not healthy for him and the story is going to be about him kind of refinding his focus in helping the people that depend on him and for me that's a much more that's a more satisfying story it's probably less kind of literary rotating on character issues but it gives me the ability to make him more action focused, which is what I wanted to do for this story. So had to rethink the character, uh, give that character a new backstory and make sure that backstory was aligned with this world that um, is not necessarily dystopian. It's just what I see as an extension of where we live now, right? And there are plenty of things about the world now that you could say are a whole lot better than the way it was, you know, even a hundred years ago. So not necessarily dystopian, just, uh, you know, hard reality. And then the one decision I kind of haven't made is how his problems will be resolved at the end of the story. Like I have some, I have good plot points, like everything um, I think progresses in a logical way and his decisions make sense in the context of what he has to deal with and the people he wants to help. Um, I just haven't quite decided like how happy I want to make the ending. <laughs> I also had kind of a romance subplot, you know, that was even part of that very original idea that I had started with. Um, and I'm not sure how much I want to play with that. It, how important that is you know I think I can just make that like a hint um, and that would be fine because it's not the most important part of the story so the other thing that had to be fixed was there's not enough genre and so in writing a short story you only have so much real estate right to to really signal what the story is from the start so you know getting near future in the first sentence. And that's something I've been thinking about different. I had actually the first scene takes place in a confessional booth. Um, a person comes into the church to confess and they've been infected with this military nano. Um, 
and that's kind of passive. And I even had him uh, actually dozing. You know, he's been drinking during the day drinking in the confessional and he's dozing. And that's even kind of a cliche for a priest. So that's something I want to adjust a little bit. Um, but how to get action in there and then how to really signal from the beginning that we live, this is taking place in, you know, 2060 um, in the inner city. And even parts of 2060 are going to look just like today. Like that's, you know, look back to uh, 1980 and you'll see that um, things haven't changed that much. So, so how to signal that from the very beginning, um, how to get the character problem in the very first paragraph so that we can uh, communicate what, what ans- what needs to be answered in this story from the beginning, like really hook the reader from the start and then lead with action. You know, I've, in my notes here, I've got lead with action, action, action. <laughs> and action doesn't have to be, you know, slamming through a brick wall, uh, dual wielding, you know, two M60s. But it does need to be the character making decisions, things pushing on the character and the character responding to them. You know, it shouldn't be a lot of passive description or... Uh, other people doing things and the character watching. Like I want the character making, struggling and making a decision uh, from the first, you know, sentence if I can do that. And so that's what I'm kind of focused on. Um, Because the, no, keep the story moving is the other note I've got here. Because I've been been focused on writing something longer, sometimes what I do for that is when I plot it out, you know, I'll I'll know I want to, I need to write 20,000 words and it's, you know, I've kind of talked through this and the first episode of the podcast and how I break down a project, I had sort of done the same thing here where I knew it needed to have probably, um, you know, 20 parts, each of those being a thousand words. And because of that, some of the scene breaks were a little clunky. So actually there's a lot of places where that could be combined. And in my cutting, I actually did combine a bunch of scenes. So this being an 8,000 word story, it may end up being maybe three parts total. Like I've got a few, you know, location shifts that will be easier just to move the characters to those other locations without saying it. So keep the story moving, you know, if there are scene breaks that were like a pause in action, find a way to take out that break and get it into action. So you just keep pushing the reader through the story. Uh, So dump breaks was the other note that I had. (laughs) And then I had actually written the, there's an ending battle with some hacking that takes place where they manipulate some rail cars uh, using, now that they've kind of somewhat used to learn their hack, uh, their ability to hack things remotely. But I actually had the priest watching someone else do those things because he's, he's nonviolent. And so I, I've rethought that scene. And, you know, I want to be able to really demonstrate how the hacking works. Uh, so it's, it's a little bit of hard SF, even though there's some hand wavium in there. I mean, hard SF is what I love. And I want to use, you know, project future tech into this, this situation. So I want the character to make decisions that affect the outcome of the story. And I made some changes there so that 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 actually happens and one thing that I always kind of look for in an action scene to try and make sure I'm not doing it and I don't like it when I see it in stories is it's essentially the equivalent of the character closing their eyes and pointing a gun and spraying wherever then they open their eyes and things are you know oh yay things worked out Um, you see this a lot in movies and you know it's kind of like a montage scene like that's the you know what is Abed saying community that a montage is the story apologizing for time um, because it's not, they can't actually do what they need to do in the time that they have. Well, this is, if you do something like that, it's basically the plot apologizing for the character. Like the character didn't come up with the answer to the problem in an organic way that makes sense to the reader. 
So we don't want to hide information from the reader. I want to show what the character's struggling with, how they've accepted this new, you know, basically this new world they're moving into with this new power. And there is a little bit of his him questioning his faith. And so the power will play a little bit into that overall part of his character. And so the power is will kind of be a way of re-energizing him. But because he was military, because he has these tools that someone else might not have, you know, mental, mental tools, ways of looking at a situation, uh, a military mindset, he's going to use those things to solve that problem using these new tools that he has. And I want the reader to be right there with him. So the story ends and the reader's like, yeah, you know, <laughs> so, and that's not how it ended initially. Um, so that's, that's what I've been working through with this story. And when I think about, you know, not enough genre, that's something I, I've kind of played through in my mind. Like, how can I get more awesome in there? <laughs> And, you know, even if I'm writing space opera, that's not necessarily, you know, military SF, that's still something I'm thinking about is like, how can I get more awesome? What would make this scene awesome? And I'm not talking about the cool effect, like lightsabers that don't make any sense and can ultimately just complicate things as people try to explain, like, wait a second, how does that actually work? How do you just not cut your leg off? You know, um, no, but awesome, I mean, like, what could a character do right now that would be awesome within the constraints that they have and the tools that they have um, so that the reader can, like, really be excited through them? So, I mean, one of the things that this working through this story has done for me is kind of encapsulate a lot of the things I've been working through with the novel. I've been asking the same questions, like what could make this more awesome? Um, I've been, when I didn't quite know where I wanted the plot to go, or at least how to get from point A to point B, I was just kind of writing into the dark on, okay, what if this happened? And I would write, you know, a thousand words. This was more at the beginning. And then I would kind of realize like, no, that's not gonna work. And I would just delete it. And but it would help me figure out where I wanted to go. And so the more that I kind of take something that I think of as being not working, I'm not going to say broken, but not working, um, it helps me understand like better ways to fix it more quickly. So, so yeah, I think this was a good exercise. I mean, I spent most of Saturday doing this as far as that was my writing time. I still wrote like a measly 200 words, which I had to write something to get it into my uh, tracker so that I could say that I wrote. <laughs> but so I wasn't like excited about that, but I am glad that I spent this time going through the short story and really digging it apart. And I think I mentioned in the, uh, you know, should you join a writing group um, episode that you learn more from fixing other people's story or from reading other people's stories than you do from what anybody else says about your stories. And in this case, it's like I was looking back in time and I, you know, had gotten good feedback on this story. Like it went, it actually went through um, my critique group at the time and everybody was like, they liked it. They were fine with it. You know, but now I look at it and I realize it's just not, there are things that will make it work better for the market that I'm aiming at. And then here's the thing. So if, uh, you know, like with any anthology, there's no guarantee that anybody's going to, you know, place your work. But if I, you know, this was a story that I liked, um, I could still do other things with it. You know, I can use it as a lead magnet. I can, it's kind of more aligned with Aeon 14 than it was. So I could use it as a lead magnet for uh, emails. I could... You know, this is a story I could send out to that audience, and I think they would be, um, you know, they'd be excited to read it. And so, so that was a good exercise because it's more. I do want to do more short stories. We talk about content marketing. I would like to do more short stories. I just need to practice getting my head out of, not my, not my ass, my head out of the story that I've been working on, so I can kind of, you know, realign. And I think just like, you know, thinking about a story in, in the shower or whatever. 
um, it helps you think about some things you need to fix for other projects. So in that case, I think it was a good exercise. We'll see how it goes. Um, I'm really hoping to get it. I need to get it done by Saturday. Uh, Sunday is the deadline, so I, I don't want to submit something on the deadline. So uh, we'll see how that how that works out. As long as you know work doesn't blow up on me, which it's just been it's been a lot. Um, you know we'll make it happen. Uh, so goals for next week: uh, continue to write at least 1,500 words a day. And like I said, if I can figure out how to write twice a day, that is pretty easy to make happen. Um, Obviously, last week I did not make that goal, and uh, I'll, I'll keep you posted. If I can do 1,500 words a day, I will finish the book by next week, um, depending on what happens with the short story. So overall, you know, finish stars the hard way so that I've got a, a good draft to send to Michael, um, at least for his, his initial reading. So I had a goal of you know, recording my novella, Crash in Love, uh, I'm going to shelve this for now because I just don't have enough time to record in a way that would meet the audio standards that I need. So I need to find a different way to go about that. Um, I'll keep you posted on that. And then I've been doing a lot of thinking about one of the things that Michael and I had talked about was if we should maybe rapid release this next series. And if I if we hold on to this book and you know maybe stockpile it's a five book series. So even if we stockpiled the first three and release them in a rapid release um, you know, model. So doing something like releasing book one, then whatever, three weeks later, book two, and then two weeks later, book, um, book three, or however that works. People change the, uh, you know, the time frames there, depending on what the readers want. Um, maybe we'll just drop them all at once, you know, boom. People have done that too <laughs> with an omnibus. Um, the main things that that kind of affects is that we have bankrolled the, the audio recording typically from the sales of the book so uh oh some big news i forgot to say was that um i think all of my audio is in the black now uh, in just over a year so for five books um going to be six books because we're doing an omnibus with best of burning including included um that's all paid for so that's awesome everything going forward is profit on the audio stuff so i'm really excited about that but so that would be one downside of rapid releasing that way as we the the audio might be um well it depends because we would just wait you know and based on what we made on that rapid release we did, would then use that to bankroll the audio so maybe not i might be thinking about that wrong um it would also mean that i guess i might see a kind of a steady decline in sales until i get another new release which is kind of what happens you know with amazon you'll get a good spike and then depending on where you rank um, and what kind of advertising you do, you know, you still see the books settle over time. Because I've been, uh, you know, paying off bills really aggressively and trying to get to a point where I just have my mortgage, the current goal was to be there basically by April. Um, I'm still very close, but if, uh, you know, if I don't have an income spike, which the thing is, if it releases in March, I'm not going to make any money, I'm not getting any money from this book until June anyway. So, um, I don't know. I, the more I think about it, the more I'm starting to think it might be, it might actually be a good experiment and I would like to check it out. There's some things about the way that we're writing this that I think it makes sense to have at least the first three books all together so that we can reassess and make adjustments so that everything fits properly because the scope is just, is huge and I want to make sure that we, we get it right. So, so yeah, I'll keep thinking about that. I'll keep you posted after I kind of have a conversation with, with Michael about it. So, okay. Um, Question for you, would you rather fix an old story or just write a new one? Um, like I said, I think this can go both ways, you know, ACDC. 
but I'd like to hear what you think. And if you've gone, you know, as far as this, this rewriting process, if it's been successful for you, um, you know, and if you later place that work, uh, yeah, I'd love to hear about it. Just shoot me an email. So thanks for listening. And until next week, uh, go out there and do good work. I'll talk to you later. Thank you.